Well, again, I want to say good morning and welcome to you. Thank you so much for joining us uh, this morning for that worship service. And great job by those children leading worship. You know, I just want you to imagine all those kids all week last week uh, singing songs like My Lighthouse and, and other terrific songs, learning about Christ uh, there. So we're just so grateful for this past vacation Bible school and want to invite you now just to Uh, Grab your Bibles and let's go to Luke chapter 21 together. As this morning, we're going to start a brand new series. Uh, It's a series that is going to be extremely practical in nature. And what I mean by that is very simple. Each week, we want to give you a a couple, two, three, uh, maybe four things that you can take away uh, from the message and implement immediately. And in so doing that, uh, really learn what it means to walk with God and to learn to be a good steward of his blessings. Now, this is a series that, that some people are going to get nervous about. Some might get angry about, and, and some are going to be unsure about. And I just want to say this at the very outset. That's okay. God is not worried uh, about our reaction uh, here or sometimes our overreaction Uh, Because as we align our lives to the Word of God, He can begin to change us and mold us and shape us into the men and women He has called us to be in the church that He has called us uh, to be. I want to start off by saying this, and you're going to hear it probably three to four more times. This series is not aimed at asking to give more money to the church treasury. All right, so I just want to go ahead and put that out there right now. The goal of this series, especially this morning's message, is very simple. We want to make sure that we have given our heart and our lives to God. Because God is infinitely more concerned with having control of our heart and our lives as his children than he is our wallet. It's about, this series is about seeing how we handle what God has given us really reveals where our heart is and who's in control of our life. Because as you can see on the screen, we have been blessed so that we can be a blessing to others. Now, the the main idea, the one big thing this morning is this. Our giving is an indication of our faith. And so if we really want to know how are we walking and trusting with God, we want to look at how we are using all of the resources that he has given And that means our time, our talents, and our treasures. So let's look at it together. Luke chapter 21 is where we're going to be. I'm going to start in verse 1. So if you can, would you stand to honor the reading of God's word? It says this, And he looked upon and saw the rich men casting their gifts into the treasury. And he saw also a certain poor widow casting in thither two mites. And he said, Of a truth I say unto you, that this poor widow hath cast in more than they all. For all these have of their abundance cast into the offerings of God, but she of her penury hath cast in all the living she had. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for the time of worship that we've already been able to have. And God, I just pray that you would be glorified through this message. Lord, show us if we're walking by faith with you. And if we have a right view of the things that you have blessed us with. 
may your Holy Spirit be our teacher. And Father, we ask that we'd have ears to hear and hearts to receive the truth from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated this morning. Again, the one big thing is this, that our giving is an indication of our faith. Now, here this morning in our text, uh, and even in the church, there are two types of givers. The first, we're going to call a sponge. All right, Jesus, in this text, he sets up a contrast uh, between uh, givers and really how we view all of the resources. And to understand it better, we need to back up to Luke chapter 20, verses 46 and 47. It says this, Beware of the scribes which desire to walk in long robes and love greetings in the markets and the highest seats in the synagogues and the chief rooms at the feast, which devour widows' houses and for a show make long prayers. The same shall receive greater damnation. So Jesus is saying that the rich people in his day, and he's including the religious leaders here, he's saying that they are doing everything to be seen. Now as we apply that to our text, look there in verse 4, the beginning it says, For all these have of their abundance cast into the offerings to God. Now how do they get an abundance? Because again, chapter 20 Verse 47, they devoured widows' houses. In other words, the religious establishment, instead of helping those that they had been sent to help and to be a blessing to them, they, in fact, were hurting them. They were devouring these widows' houses. It, It was all about them. They wanted the best, and they didn't care how they got it. You know, they gave... Uh, What we see when Jesus says, out of their abundance, in other words, after their bills paid, after they had all their fun of the month, and after they had spent all the money on themselves they wanted to, they kind of looked and said, hey, we got a little extra, how about we give to God? And that's literally what it means to give out of your abundance. And the reality is here that a lot of people in today's church are like this. They're they're what we're going to call a sponge. I don't want you to think uh, a sponge, as you dip it in water, what does it do? It sucks up all that liquid. Only when it is full will it give some of the liquid back, or when it is squeezed, when will it give back? But as soon as it's emptied and you put it back into the liquid, what happens? It sucks it back up again. And, and this is what we're going to call a blessing hoarder. Okay, this is a person who sees everything that they've been given as theirs. That they earned it, they deserve it, they get to spend it how they want to. And we're not just talking of our finances, but even people look at their time as being theirs. They look at the talents they have as being theirs. A sponge makes life all about itself. Rather than recognizing everything we have is a gift from God. And so as long as something more important doesn't come up, we'll tithe or give to God. You know, we'll go to church or we'll do this or we'll do that. But a sponge is all about itself. Now, we can contrast this with the widow. And the widow is going to display a strainer. All right, now I want you to think, if you pour liquid into a strainer, what's going to happen? It's going to filter it right on out. 
All right, a, a strainer is what you and I need to learn to be, or put it, in, put it another way, we need to learn to live open-handed instead of closed fist. To be a fountain rather than a drain. You know, we, we often ask the question, how much should I give? Yet I want us to see this morning that that is fundamentally the wrong question to ask. The question is not how much should I give, rather we need to think how much should I keep? Recognizing that God is going to give me everything that I need and that he is pouring his blessings into my life, how can I let them flow through and be a blessing to other people for the glory of God and so that the gospel goes further? Now, Jesus, in our text here, he points out two specific things here. First, he identifies this lady as a widow. So not only did she not have much, but it doesn't appear that she had any means of making more money, which leads to the second observation. And that is this, that the widow cast in everything she had to live on. Now, if you only had so much to live on. What's the temptation? The temptation is to go, okay, I need this much to live on so I can give this much. But this widow lady, she turns it upside down and turns it on its head, which is what Christianity really does. Because Christianity, as seen in the scriptures, challenges the way you and I think. She wasn't going, okay, I'm going to give half of what I got. I mean, 50%, that's huge, right? But she wasn't satisfied with that. She wanted to give in everything she had to live on. Why? Because she was convinced that God was going to take care of her. That God would provide for her. The scribes, they gave from their abundance, this widow gives because of the abundance of her love, her faith, and her trust in God. The scribes gave to be seen. The widow, because she had been blessed by God. The scribes thought, I've earned the money. I deserve it. I get to do what I want to. The widow realized everything God, I've got, God has given me. And so I just want to give back. As I have been blessed, I want to bless others. And this is what it means to live sacrificially and to give generously is to realize I cannot outgive God and I'm not going to try. This widow teaches us two great truths. First, everything we have is from God. You know, James 1.17, it says, every good gift and perfect gift is from above and it comes down from the Father. Now, what does he mean by every good gift? Every gift. All right, the clothes that we're wearing, the cars we're driving, the home that we live in, the, the food that we are eating, the money we make to pay those bills. Everything we have is good, and so it is from God. But we're not just talking about money. You see, Paul put it this way in 1 Corinthians 6. For you are not your own, for you were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God. 1 Corinthians 10.31, whether you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. You see, a sponge sees the chief end of their life 
as their own happiness. A strainer sees the chief end of their life as the glory of God. Because we were created by God and for God, and because God gave me everything, I want to use what he has given me to his glory. And one of the ways that we glorify God with our time, our talents, and our treasures is by blessing others with it. That if we see someone in need, we help. The second truth that she teaches is the widow reminds us that we have been blessed by God in order to be a blessing to others. She gave in the context of, the, of that day's church or temple. All right? Why do you and I give to God? Well, it shouldn't be to get. All right? I, I, we never want to give and say, well, God, I gave you, so you need to give back to me. And we never want to give to get our way in church. I love the way Dr. Tom Rainer put it. All right? Giving and offering to the Lord is not paying membership dues at the country club. We give because God has given to us and because we want the gospel to go further. This widow's offering, it was small. It was inconsequential. It was two small coins. All right, the, the people that were looking at it, they would not have been impressed by this. But God was. And Jesus said that she gave more than everybody. Why? Because she gave from her heart. She recognized where her blessings came from. And she wanted to glorify God by giving it back. And so it would be used to bless others. This is the purpose of our giving. Of giving generously is so that others can hear the gospel. So God's work can continue. You know, right in front of me here, you see all these beautiful decorations and and stuff that are left over from vacation Bible school. Can I tell you something really neat about these? All right, they came from a church right down the road, Mount Ivy Christian. And we even had some other decorations last week that came from a Baptist church right down the road, Hales Ford. Now, here's the beauty of this. These two churches saw their blessings as blessings from God, and so they acted like a strainer, and so they allowed their blessings to flow to other people. And so they came to us, okay, to to bless us in our vacation Bible school, and then this past Friday morning, guess what? We got to do it to another church or for another church, in that a lot of these decorations went on to Lakeside Baptist in Salem. Why? Because Mount Ivy and Halesford realized they had been blessed by God, and so they blessed us. And because we recognized that we were blessed by God, we wanted to bless others, and so Lakeside Baptist is able to benefit from all of this because we realize none of this is ours. God gave it to us. God gave the talent to other people to do it, and they use their talent for the glory of God. And the beautiful part about this is very, very simple. Because they saw they were blessed to be a blessing, we as a church were able to bless others, but also, guess what? It was less resources we had to spend to create stuff for the purpose that now those resources that are 
freed up. Now we got to put them into sharing the gospel with these children in our community and their families. And so the blessings continue to compound on one another because we recognize that God has given us so that they can flow through us. We don't want to be grace hoarders. We want to be grace dispensers. This is what we are called to do. And God has blessed us so that we can be a blessing to other people. That's an idea we're going to come right back to. Now, I can already hear some of you in your head. You're going, I agree with this. I've heard this. However, you know, there are two common objections when we begin to talk about giving generously. The first one is this. I have to get my finances in order first. Now, I'm going to grant you at the outset, when you first see that, you're like, well, that makes sense. Okay, that, that, that's a reasonable request. But can I, can I explain something to you? When I say I have to get my finances in order, that's making it about me. I've taken God completely out of the equation. I'm saying that everything I've got is, is mine. And if I want things to go right, then I have to do it. And the other reason that this is wrong is very simple. That if I have not given God his rightful place in my heart and my life, then nothing else in my life is going to be in order. I mean, that, that's just the, the reality of the situation. That if God is not in his rightful place, which is first and foremost, then the rest of my life is going to be a disaster. It's going to be in disarray because I will be following, uh, falling into idolatry. Because an idol is anything that I ascribe more value and more worth than God in my life. Jesus said in Matthew 6, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Now what other things, what all things is he talking about? Well, if you were to go back and read Matthew 6, verses 24 to uh, 32, you would see this. That Jesus would say, number one, you can't serve two masters. Then he would say, don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, or where you're going to live. Because your heavenly Father already knows that you need these things. And in his love and his grace, he's already promised to provide them for us. See, he is a good father. And a good father provides for his children. So we don't have to get all concerned and consumed with trying to meet the basic necessities of life. We're simply to pursue him and to pursue his kingdom and his righteousness. And as we do, he has promised to provide what we need. Now, the second common objection that you're already thinking about is this. Well, that, all, that sounds great, but I can't afford to be generous. My guess is 90% of you in this service, just like it was in the 830 service, you're living paycheck to paycheck. Some of you are going, listen, pastor, I'm giving God the first fruits of, of my check. I'm saving some. I'm living within my means. But I just simply don't have anything else. Can, can I ask you something? Is that what God has said about your situation? Or is that the conclusion that you have come to about your situation? See, when we give to God, whether it's our time, our talents, or our treasure, it's an act of worship to God. 
And, and so what we want to do and what we should do, what the New Testament calls us to do, is to go to, go to the Lord in, in prayer and say, Lord, what do I keep? And whatever I, I don't, whatever I keep, the rest of it goes to you. So we should never be just arbitrarily coming up with a number that we give. Okay, I don't know how many of you realize this or not, but hopefully this will help you. The, the concept of a tithe is an Old Testament concept. It's not mentioned there in the New Testament as far as that's what we give. We give of our offerings, which should be above and beyond that, that typical tithe. But it's not just of our finances, because the tithe referred to the tenth of our finances. But our offerings, our offerings are not only our treasures, but our time and our talents. We say that we can't afford to, to be generous, but generosity isn't just finances. Generosity can also mean your time. Maybe you are doing you know, you're living within the biblical means and the biblical financial concepts taught in Scripture. But let me ask you this, without anybody raising their hands, how many of you wasted an hour or more yesterday? You know, whether it's on social media or, you know, Netflix and chill or, or whatever. Okay? Now, if we add up the hours that we waste, let's just say an hour a day, in the course of a week, that's what? That's seven hours, right? How many of those hours, instead of wasting them on mindless stuff, instead of wasting them on things that just really don't matter, what if we said, you know, I don't have seven hours to do it, but I, I got a couple of hours, and so I want to volunteer, let me help out at the church. And you know what? This is how God has gifted me. The bottom line is, every one of your gifts is from God, and they are valuable for building up the kingdom of God. Okay? Uh, again, we look at these decorations. I can't do this. I can barely color within the lines. I'm not even sure I can color within the lines. But maybe you're an artist, and maybe you have a passion for something, and you can do it. And you say, you know what? I, I want to give of my time to, to build up the kingdom of God. And so I'm going to volunteer uh, here at the church or maybe at the Agape Center just to be a blessing to somebody. And when we do that, here's the beautiful part. When we do that now, the church isn't finding and spending resources to do those things. Why? Because you're going, listen, my calling as a New Testament member is to use everything God has given me for his glory. So I'm going to volunteer my time to do this. And so now the church doesn't have to go pay somebody to do it or find the resources to do it, which in turn frees the finances of the church up to spread the gospel further. I'm not more important than you because I'm, I preach and, and, and teach. Your gift is just as important as we use it for the glory of God and the building up of the kingdom of God. So again, I believe we can be more generous, but it's going to require us to admit where we're selfish. But why does any of this matter? So what? Well, I want to ask two questions and then give you the practical thing for this week. The first question I want to ask you is this. Why do we do what we do? 
And church, I got to be honest, this is probably one of those vital questions you and I could ask and we need to answer. We began this morning by saying, I'm not asking for more money to give to the church. I'm not pleading with you because of a budget. All right? I'm not asking you to give more for this reason. Really two reasons. I have seen it abused way too often. When a pastor or teacher begins to plead for more finances, they end up manipulating stuff. And can I be honest with you? That is a sin. For a preacher to manipulate to get what he wants is sinful. Because what he is doing, he's saying, I have to manipulate and tweak and bend the truth because I don't trust God. And if your shepherd won't trust God, then how can he expect the sheep to trust God? So I, think, I believe that trying to manipulate and say, hey, we need more, we need more, we need more, can cross into the line of sinfulness because it leads to manipulation. The second reason I have an issue with it is this. As they do that, guilt and shame get thrust upon the sheep. They feel guilty. And folks, guilt is not from God. It is from the devil. But what ends up happening is the shepherd guilts and shames the sheep into giving more. And in fact, for a while, the giving does go up. But then it levels off and it goes right back to the place where it was. Why? Because the sheep weren't giving out of gratefulness and gratitude. They were giving because they felt guilted. And God is not honored by a guilt offering in the plate. Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7 says that God loves a cheerful giver. If it takes the jaws of life for you to open up your wallet or to look at your time and say, hey, I want to give of my time and my talents to, to the church, that says more about where your heart is than anything else. And as we said earlier, God is more interested in your heart than your wallet. But Jesus did say this in Matthew 6, 21. He said, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Jesus knew that whatever we ascribe the most value to, that is where our heart's going to be. At. That's where we're going to give the most energy and effort. See, stewardship is really a matter of lordship. What that means is this. Who is the Lord of my life? Who is in control of my life? Whoever is the most important to me, that is the one that I will live to please. And I will make all my decisions in alignment to pleasing that person. So is it you or is it God? The second question is to answer, so what, is this. Do we trust God? The widow probably, like a lot of you, you grew up in church. You've heard stewardship messages, all right? She had probably heard preaching on stewardship. She probably heard Malachi chapter 3, verse 8, read in the temple, you know, where it says, bring in the whole tithe into the storehouse and see if God won't open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that you can't hold. She had probably heard all of that, but here was the difference. She trusted God. When God said, if you honor me, if seek me if you put me first I will take care of you 
She said, you know what? God, I can trust. Here it is. She trusted God to keep his promises. You know, there's another story of a widow there in the Old Testament found in the book of uh, 1 Kings. Prophet Elijah uh, had a dust up with the powers that be in Israel. In fact, the matter God told him and led him to say that it's not going to rain on the earth until I pray again. I mean, it appeared about three and a half years uh, between Elijah praying for the rain to stop and then the rain to start uh, again. But after a dust up, Elijah finds himself at a place called the Brook of Kareth. And there God gave him, you know, took care of him with water and, and ravens fed him. And so everything was good until what happens when a drought comes? Water dries up, right? Okay. So the brook careth, it dries up. And can you imagine being Elijah? And Elijah's like, listen, I'm suffering not because I did anything sinful, but because I did the, the word of the Lord. I did the work that God told me to. All right, so Elijah was faced with a crisis of faith here. Would he trust God here? And so God comes to him and says, Elijah, I want you to get up. I want you to go to a place called Zarephath. Now, Elijah gets up, and, and he's going, and we don't know what he's thinking. But when he does arrive at Zarephath, the first person that he meets is a woman. And by the way, she happens to be a widow. And Elijah looks at her and says, fix me something to eat, please. Well, this widow of Zarephath, her response is this, sir, I don't have enough for me and my son to eat. In fact, I'm gathering up these sticks to make one last little meal for us, and, and then we're going to die. I mean, here, here's a woman who's going, there's no hope. Like, we're done. All right? And, and Elijah's probably been feeling the same way ever since uh, that brook dried up. But here is what Elijah's response is. Don't worry. Go do what you have said you were going to do. But make me a little cake first and bring it to me. For the Lord God of Israel has said that you won't run out of meal to make bread. Neither will you run out of oil until the day God sends rain on the earth. Now, Elijah had just spoken a promise from God. But this widow of Zarephath had the same dilemma that the widow in our story in Luke 21 had, and the same dilemma that you and I are faced with every single day. And it is this. Do we trust God? Do we trust his word that he is able to, to fulfill whatever promise he makes. Not only will I trust him, but then I have to ask this question, will I obey him? Even if it doesn't make sense, will I obey him? How we steward what we have been given will reveal if we're trusting in God or if we're trusting in ourselves. So as we said, this is a practical series. So here's the practical thing that we want to do this week, or starting this week, you're going to do it all month, is be a blessing. Now, you probably noticed as you walked into uh, the church there in the foyer, there's a Christmas tree. There's about five boxes uh, around it. Now, you probably, when you first saw it, going, okay, he's finally lost his mind. Okay, it's July, Christmas, we got a few uh, months. You're right, but there's a purpose. On that Christmas tree out there, there are some ornaments. And on those ornaments are written a quantity of a non-perishable food item. Or uh, some of them have a uh, 
$10 Kroger gift card written on it. So this is what I'm going to ask every person, just like we did in 830. This is what I'm going to ask you to do. When you leave here this morning, I want you to stop by that Christmas tree and take at least one of those ornaments. You know what? Maybe God uh, is going to move you to, to take two or three. That's between you and God. But I'm going to ask you to take at least one. And as you go grocery shopping, or as you go uh, by Kroger over the next week, two weeks, month, whatever, I'm going to ask you to pick up whatever item is on that ornament and then bring it back. Okay, if it's a non-perishable item, I, I want you to just put it in one of those five boxes there for us, please. If you pick off a uh, gift card, great. All right, what I'm going to ask you to do is the lady who has been helping kind of organize all this for us, uh, she's going to be back from a uh, vacation on Wednesday, and, and you can give it to her. Okay, and she's going to make sure it's kept in a secure location uh, here. But here's the thing. Not a single bit of that is going to stay in house. All right, what, what we are seeking to do is to use the, the physical means to meet spiritual needs. There are people in this community and the surrounding area that are hurting. And we believe that God is calling us to serve them. Not to serve ourselves, but to serve them. And so one of the ways we're going to serve God is by serving them. And by the way, we're not even the first people to do this in the church. I don't know if you can see it, but on the far right table here, my far right, your left, there's a table and it's got school supplies on it. And maybe you're wondering where they came from. Well, let me fill you in on that just real quick. Over the course of Vacation Bible School, as it was getting planned, the ladies and some others who were in charge of it said, you know, we don't want to do a traditional boys versus girls uh, offering and then just send it to some missions organization where the kids don't realize or, or see uh, how it's helping. We want boys and girls to work together to bless students here in Franklin County. Because I, I guarantee you this, there are already parents who are stressing out that uh, school is starting just a little over a month here. All right, they're already stressing out going, you know, we, we got to buy them new clothes because they grew over the summer. Their shoes, man, their toes are hanging out the side. So we got to get them new shoes, got to get them new clothes. We, we got to spend, you know, $150, $200 per kid for, for school supplies. And oh, by the way, man, we still got our bills. And some of them are going, I don't have a job this year like I did last year. I don't have as many hours. And so parents are stressing out right now. And so what the organizers of Vacation Bible School said is, you know what? We want to be a blessing. And we want the kids to see where, where they fit into God's plan and how God can use them, even though they're young. And so we asked them, instead of bringing in a traditional offering, on the back of a newsletter we sent home every night for Vacation Bible School, we had a school supply list. And we just asked parents, hey, would you pick up one or two of those items and just bring it here? And 100% of those school supplies are going to be used for kids here in Franklin County. We're, we're going to seek to be a blessing this way to them. And, and these kids are going to see that. They're going to realize how God used them to help some of their classmates. Some kids that live in their neighborhood. Now here's my promise. I'm going to give you three, a threefold promise about these school supplies and the food and gift cards that get brought in over the month of July. Number one, 
Everything we give out will be accompanied by a gospel presentation. This is why we exist. We are not just asking you to bring so that we can give and be like every other organization. All right, we want to be a blessing to the glory of God, and so the gospel goes further here in Franklin County. So we're going to share the gospel. Number two, a lot of people that we're going to come in contact with, they don't have a church home. So we're going to invite them to church. And number three, we're going to give you an account of everything that comes in and everything that comes out. Because we want you to see how God uses what you generously give to go and be a blessing and share the gospel with those in Franklin County. Because after all, our mission statement says what? That we are reaching Franklin County for Christ one person at a time. So we want you to see how God's going to use this. And I got to tell you, these kids and their families, man, they came through in a huge way. So here's my challenge. Will we? As I said, this series isn't about giving money to the church. It's not about padding the, the bank account. It's about giving God our heart. Giving God his rightful place in our life and using practical means to meet spiritual needs. But before we can do any of this, I need to ask you a very serious question. Have you surrendered to the grace of Jesus Christ? Because more than God wanted you to bring in cans of food or get gift cards, God wants a relationship with you. More than I want to see stuff come in to this church, I, as your shepherd, want to know that you're one of God's sheep and then you're in a right relationship with him. And the only way that that is even possible is for us to admit that we are sinners, trusting in Jesus' death on the cross as the only way that we can be saved and confessing it before men. If nothing gets taken off that Christmas tree, but we see men and women and children come to faith in Jesus Christ in this church because of what we're doing, it will be a success because we will be making disciples and we will be a part of building the kingdom of God. We don't want to build a bigger church. We don't want to build bigger ministries or have a better staff. We want to be a blessing. And we want to point people to Jesus. So I'm going to ask again, have you given Jesus Christ your heart? Have you surrendered to his grace? If not, I'm going to call you and plead with you to do that today. Don't leave here without knowing that your eternity is secured by the blood of Jesus Christ. But I'm also going to challenge those that have been saved by grace. Are we living it? Are we living and displaying by what we say and how we do things? Are we demonstrating that Jesus Christ is the Lord, not only of our heart, but he is the Lord of our life? Will you answer the call to give generously of all that God has given you so the gospel may go further? So more people can hear and experience the love and the grace of God. This isn't about your money. 
This is about your heart. This isn't about your time. This is about your heart. This isn't about your talents. This is about your heart. Who are you living for? Who is in control of your life? Is it Jesus? Or is it you? Would you stand with me this morning as we're going to pray together?